Cinema 7. Producing the blueprints, clueless, automator, defy the laws of nature, electronic monolith, throw a jam upon the disc, the futuristic looping with the quickness, hyper-producing, hydrogen fusion liquids, keep your distance. Michael Phelps is the best athlete of all time, hands down, no joke. Be- I, I don't know about best athlete. Best athlete of all time. I don't think so. To be 21 honest. gold medals. Okay. 21. 21? Be- gold. Gold. In, 25 in altogether. That's yellow. In one sport. Doesn't matter. One sport. Doesn't matter. No one, He has more gold medals, medals than some country. He's the best swimmer He's ever. the best athlete, no, period. No, he's not. Period. He's not the best athlete. Period. They're better athletes. Better than Tom Brady. They have five cards at the Olympic swimming events. Did you know that? <laughs> they really do. I think it's, it's interesting. But anyways, welcome to Cinema 7, guys. Uh, believe it or all not. All time. All time. Yeah, all time. This is actually uh, your host for the first time. Josh. All time. That's right. You're hearing more of me today. Josh is hosting. I am hosting, yeah. And to my left here, we have the one, the only, the chosen, Mario Bakari. Hey, how you guys doing? And on my right here, in this awesome color for shirt, now I want Skittles for some reason, is Chris Hawk. All time. All time. All, <laughs> All time. <laughs> we're going to discuss our... We're just Ranger, right? We're doing our yeah. our continuation uh, no, of our three uh, top three sci-fi film. This is our number two pick. Part two. Part two and number two pick. So we're gonna uh, start with Mario over here, and he chose a Clockwork Orange. He chose Clockwork <laughs> Orange. No, he chose uh, he chose I Robot, the Willie Smith movie. Yes, I mean, did um, he have a rap for that movie? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Robot. Too. Maybe Headstrong. <laughs> I think that was him, right? Thanks. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> but um. Uh, you guys wanted me to choose Predator, but to me, Predator is more of an action movie, Should have in my Predator. opinion. Should so have I went with what I thought was the next uh, best sci-fi movie to me, and that's iRobot. And um, iRobot is actually originated from a book that contains short stories by Isaac Asim- Asimov. Asimov? Is it Isaac Asimov or something? Asimov. Like yes. I think that's how you pronounce it. But but Asimov, mostly all his yeah. books have something to deal with artificial intelligence and, Dude, so and robots. <laughs> he uh, they say he predicted like the iPad and weird stuff like that. Like apparently he was like really intelligent. But um, the book and the movie. The reason I chose the movie is because when I first saw the movie, I was like, oh, what is this? And I. <laughs> And then we read it. I remember, like, uh, one year in high school, I had, like, a sci-fi class for, and, like, an elective. And um, they read... The, you had a sci-fi class? Yeah, it was only, That's like, cool. a... It was, like, a testing thing. And uh, we watched, like... Super jealous Old right movies, now. and we read... We actually read some of this book, and that's what made me, like, more into it. So I bought the book. Um, you know, I'm all about the movie. I mean, the movie's more of an action-y take on it. Um... But the book and the movie do have several philosophical elements, and they definitely have a lot of twists on like religious themes, which uh, I'll talk about right now if you want me to. Yeah, do it. Hey, it's your movie, man. Go for it. Um, what's your, uh, what's your uh, what's up? What, uh, what do you want to ask? Go with the go with the question. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go so with your... we'll do, we'll, we'll use do one question each. Go back and forth. So I'll okay, go first, okay. Chris, then me. All right. So trivia. Yeah. I guess you probably know this already. I talked about it earlier. Denzel was offered the role before Will Smith. Oh, I right. actually do not know that. Do you think oh, it right. would have been a, I would guess, a more serious 
quote unquote better movie, or it would just kind of like be more trashy. I'm All not right. saying it's trash right now. I'm just saying would it be like less entertaining? All right. Oh, right. Trying to do a Denzel impression Denzel. right now. It's not. It's not going it's well. Denzel. You know, I think it could have been more serious. I think a little bit in uh, a little bit better in tone mm-hmm. than like, with Will Smith. Like more towards like a crime noir feel, like how the beginning was. Yeah, exactly. I think it could have had, a, like I said, a better tone because because Will Smith um, is Will Smith. Yeah, he's definitely. <laughs> he's, he's, John Kenoki said it best. Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith is Will Smith. Will so Will definitely, Smith. I think Denzel would have brought a bif- different. Uh, tone and feel to the movie that I think could have been okay. yeah. a little bit better. What, what do you want to ask, Chris? I love Chris's questions. This is Chris's corner right here. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Chris what, do you, uh, what do you think of Shia LaBeouf in this movie? That was my next question, too. Wow. <laughs> okay, good. Shia LaBeouf is the perfect side character in, 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 in any movie. Fury, perfect side character. Perfect. perfect. Small I, doses of Shia LaBeouf are yeah. the best. Unless it's Even Stevens. Great show. Great show. <laughs> I've never show. watched that. Really? Wasn't wow. he, was he in the jersey, too? Oh, he might have been. I've never heard of that. It's when they uh, magical uh, sports jersey, and whenever they put it on, they transport themselves into a show. I mean, into a uh, like a sports like uh, thing. Like sometimes he was. I know you're talking about. It fell on like they would put it on, and they would be transported into a hockey game, and it was during the hockey game. Oh my god! And they would be famous, famous uh, hockey players, sports players, really, or basketball game. I remember this now. I'm getting flashbacks. This is like the best show Disney ever had. Oh my god! I'm getting real flashbacks. I've never seen that. Mario, you love this. You need to watch this show. That's a great show. Old Disney is the best, honestly. Do we need to talk more about like? Um, things on the religious views because I wrote down notes for that. Go ahead. Go for it, bro. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, there, um, one of the twists in the movie, like on a, like a religious theme, yeah. is um, on Adam and Eve, actually, um, where they believe, like, because Adam and Eve, before, you know, the big sin that they did, mm-hmm. they, they're considered innocent. Mm-hmm. And they God, ate an apple and got the dentist away. Yeah. <laughs> God created like you know the <laughs> perfect like created the perfect spitting image of himself. Yeah, yeah. And then, but in this movie, it's like we view the robots as being sinless and innocent, like them. And be, it's because of those three laws that we made them went under. Like they're you know they kind of resemble us. They uh, they can't harm us. They can't do anything to defy us. But um, when they do, when they do, which is we vi- don't believe it. Yeah, that's like, true. Everyone did not. So the one person that knows what's going on, like Shia uh, LaBeouf, Vicky, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. He's, laughs> the ringleader. He knew the robot uprising was happening the he entire was time. Ready. Stop um, cursing or go home. <laughs> but that's uh, that's really good. I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had no I didn't, like, that. I didn't the, get that. The artificial intelligence, Vicky, who uh, controls all the robots. Um, She's the first, basically, actual artificial intelligence like that can act on her own almost. Got to say, artificial intelligences are super scary. He, he was Siri. She was Siri before yeah. Siri. She's the, yeah. She like she defies and like turns on her creators. Correct. Because in her image, that's that's how you protect the humans. Is you get rid of the humans. You sanitize I guess. them. Yeah. Yeah. You san- yeah, Exactly. You sanitize it. Yeah. Uh, another twist, I think, on a on a biblical story is the on Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham sacrifices mm-hmm. uh, his son Isaac to prove his allegiance to God, he uh, the creator of the uh, robots sacrifices Sonny. Is that it? Well, no, it's a twist. It's uh, reversed. Uh, Doctor Lanning makes Sonny, who sacrifice he creates, him. yeah, who he sees as his son, sacrifice him. We'll kill him. Yeah, we'll kill him. Yeah. So to to break the hold, 
Um, or you know, the because Vicky, Vicky was keeping us. Ho- yeah, because she's in control yeah. of the whole situation, so it's kind of like reversed. But in the this one in the movie, it's more actiony, like I said, a but, lot more actiony. But in the book, all the different stories, it's more complex and it's more uh, complicated the ways in which the robots uh, break the four, the three laws, like how they work around it. I should say loopholes. Yeah. Loopholes. Yeah, loopholes. You don't mess with the loopholes. Two oh, big, yeah. Three big bugaboos. So uh, <laughs> I got a question for you. This takes place, it's supposed to, in 2035. Yes, Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> of all places. Hasn't changed. Still a lot of gunfire. Do you think, this is just like your personal opinion, Yeah. we're getting close to this kind of technology? Um, I mean, if you watch the movie, in the, the cars in the movie have, like, they're self-drived. And I think we're getting close to that with the Tesla cars. Were they all, oh, gosh, were yeah. they all Audi? Yes. In uh, yes, it was it totally was, that brand placement. <laughs> it totally was. <laughs> totally. I'm trying to remember what uh, brand it was in Minority Report. I'm pretty sure it was not Audi. It was like it was a Mercedes. It, you just watched. Was it, it Mercedes? Uh, it's Spielberg, so it's something. Yeah, we're gonna look it up, but it's great. It's Maybe Prius. it was Jeep. No, it wasn't. <laughs> with a dinosaur on it. <laughs> but yeah, like with the Tesla cars, which apparently explode. Or whatever's wrong with the the Tesla cars. There's nothing wrong with them. In recent news, something happened with one of them, and the guy died. That was driving it. Well, he was asleep. Really? Yeah, you're not supposed to fall asleep. Well, now he's definitely asleep. But (laughs) oh god. Oh yeah, we're going. We we gotta stop making these terrible jokes. (laughs) But um, but yeah, like I think we're getting close to it, and then we are still trying to develop uh, robots, and I think it's inevitable that it's gonna. I said, I can't speak ever on this podcast. Inevitable? Yes. Inevitable. That it's going to happen. <laughs> it was Alexis. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. Just, just on, on top of Mario's thing, the fact that an AI was the main villain of iRobot is legitimately scary. Yeah, because like... It's so scary. Oh, yeah, for sure. It really is. Because yeah. like AIs, you can't really like predict. Like, you could, you, say you built one. It turns against you. It's like, I built mm-hmm. it, but it knows all your moves because you technically made it from your own mind. So it can predict you. It's like a chess game almost. A really yeah. steroid chess game. That's actually a really intelligent look at it. Yeah. Do you um, think it holds up today, though? Like today, that's like I walked in the house today before we started the podcast well, and you were watching you know, like it. we said, it stars Will Smith as Will Smith or technically Smith. Detective Spooner. Well, it's, it's like one, one-fifth Will Smith because his arm is robot. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it is. No, it's four fifths Will Smith. That's his, that's the four right. Will Smith. His character doesn't trust robots because he's a future hipster. He's the hip, the he's, future's hipster. Well, he wears Converse's. Yes, and drives motorcycles. Drives motor gas motorcycles. Gas motorcycles, which can explode. Which can explode. And as drive, everything. Oh in my the gosh! Yeah, I think the more you talk about screen, it's like I want to watch it again and be like, wow. Yeah, I remember watching um, this as a kid and loving it. He has a connection to Doctor Lanning, who mm-hmm. gets killed because. Like we said, spoilers, if you haven't seen iRobot, he, he has a robotic arm, like Chris Hawk said, because he was in an accident, mm-hmm. which the robot chose to save him over the little girl, and that upsets him because... That, wasn't that his kid? No, it was a it was an accident, and he dove in to save her, and he got the stuck. The robots, yes. Mm-hmm. The robots saved him. Um, so the robot saved him instead, and he was upset because, you know, he says the robot calculated that he had the higher percentage of living. And he's like, well, humans wouldn't have chose that. They would have chose the little girl over him. And he, you know, highly is up, you know, still holds that to this to the to this day, I guess, where he's. But 
If Will Smith had died and the little girl had lived, there would be no iRobot. The, I, the AI yeah. would have ruled the world. Exactly. Yeah. So, long, the robot was playing the long which, con. Which brings he me was, to <laughs> which is, brings is me it a to Terminator thing. You're about no, to say? it's actually a, a, <laughs> like a thing. Yeah. Because Sonny actually says in the movie that every, he believes that everyone has a purpose, and he says that to Will Smith's character, which is ironic because Will Smith's character, Detective Spooner, does have a purpose. He basically is led with clues him particularly too yes like to, the doctor because yes partic- like specifically picks will smith yes because he knows yeah that he doesn't trust them and he has the he believes that he could has he has the emotional um what would you say chris hawk like he just he he, he who doesn't will smith or the doctor will smith has that emotional like he he can uh he can feel and he he already hates the robots, so he's gonna distrust them. Yeah, he's yeah, gonna distrust already. them. Like because he's like one of the few that trust robots. Everyone has a robot in their house. Everyone is dependent upon robots in the future. Technology. We're already dependent upon phones. Just imagine how much we would be dependent on a robot helper. It'd be crazy. Oh god, that would be crazy. But yeah, so he's basic. His purpose, basically, in that movie, which is ironic, is to help humans survived from this AI that Dr. Lanning created. Also, um, another person in the movies, uh, Dr. Susan Calvin, who's in the books a lot and a couple of the stories. Um, she works with Dr. Lanning. She, uh, her character admires the machines and she believes that humans should be more like machines as she states when she's talking to Will Smith that their, their lack of emotion um, causes them to have better reason than humans do and she herself tries to think more logically versus using her emotion but when she meets up with will smith and when she's around will smith (laughs) detective spooner she seems to bring out it seems to bring more emotion out in her yeah which i think is kind of cool because it seems that when will smith meets sunny he kind of he kind of develops will smith into like okay now i understand that you can, it kind of helps develop his character, mm. and then uh, Susan Calvin helps kind of uh, is that figure of um, like because Doctor Lanning was like his father almost. She's almost like his his mother. Yeah, to Sonny. So they all three characters kind of complete each other in the story, which is kind of kind of cool to think about. Mm-hmm. It's a complete circuit. Yeah. Yeah. There's also um, a lot of philosophy like uh, around freedom and uh, determinism in the movie. Um, there's a lot of questions asked like if having a consciousness, does that make us uh, human? Um, another one that I noticed was what is a machine? You know, and it, it also asks what guides us. It's, it's very, um, it's full of philosophies and and I'm glad they kept some of those elements because a lot of the book has those elements. Yeah. Like it the book is crazy good. If you if you wanna read anything with a bunch of short stories and you like robots and futuristic things and you like like deep uh meaning and this crazy crazy stuff, I say read the <laughs> robot book. So good. But that's that's more of why I fell in love with the movie than when I originally saw it. Because I like I said, it is an action it but it's it's if you get more deep into it there it's more of those other things 
Like, it's bigger than what you imagine. Like, when yeah, you exactly. thing, you're like, oh, it's an action thing yeah, robots. And you think yeah. about it, you're like, wow, there's, there's an undertone to and it. And to go off of your question, which I kind of got away from, if it still holds up. What was the question? I forgot now. If it still holds up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it does. I think some scenes you can notice, like... How's the CGI? CGI is pretty good. Josh came in while I was finishing. Robots it. still look good. It's uh, I will say I think it's, it's like it, the green screen stuff in the back. If I walked in during the like the the tunnel scene with the two, you know, they trap them in, the robots come out. I probably would be like, this is really, you know, dumb CGI. When it comes to robots, robots. That's like good. one of my favorite scenes. Is it really? Yeah. When I was a kid, it was. I think it yeah. still looks good. That was my favorite because that's when he um that's when he un, un, uh, unwields the um the the rocket arm, the uh, robot yeah. arm. Yeah. He uh. Doesn't that when the skin falls off during the highway scene? That's actually that's actually, um, I think a really good twist is you. Didn't, I didn't see that coming mm-hmm. when I originally saw no. it. I remember when I was a kid and they first showed it. I was like, "He's a robot." I was like, "Oh, I just got a robot." It kind of has okay. two twists in it because you yeah. think it's the guy, like you don't know that that's what's wrong with him. You just see the scars, and then you notice he was built an entire arm, and then that's his connection to Doctor Lanning, which they kind of keep from you until that scene, and then there's the um, how Sonny actually did kill the doctor. Yes, that's, there's that's that. A big twist. Um, so I guess there's this three because you would think it's the guy in control of the company, but then you find out it's Vicky, which is also kind ooh, of interesting. Ooh, Vicky, why is so icky? Um, Sign so, your name. Fun question for you. Fun. Is there a certain favorite scene you have in the movie? Um, besides the end credits, I'm just kidding. That's all. I'd have to say. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of parts. I I, I mostly like the parts when he talks to Doctor Lanning's hologram because I think that's really cool. Like um, the first scene, the first scene when he talks to him, you know, he's he's like, "Why did you kill yourself?" And he's like, "That detective is the right question." And he says that throughout to lead him mm-hmm. down this path. Um, there's another scene on top of the 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 um, the hill by the bridge. With the robot, the yeah. graveyard. He also asks. I a question. love that scene. He also asks like a question up there where he's like, "That is the right question." Um, there's also dialogue from the doctor that I really like. Excuse me. You're good. I didn't even hear that. You're good, <laughs> but you're so polite. I'll let it slide oh, this thank time. You. And then um, where the doctor says, "There's ghosts in the machines," which is another big issue. Is he can't. Even though Sonny has a consciousness, he can't be considered human because it's programming and he technically is material. He's still a ghost in the machine. So that line itself, I think, talks volumes about that. Um, and he wants them to one day have dreams and secrets, which I think is also like, wow, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid watching that scene in the graveyard, scared the absolute bejesus out of me. <laughs> I mean, because I was like, oh, the old robots are so cute, and the new ones come in and try to get Will Smith. I'm like, don't get Willy. Don't get Willy. And the old robots fight against the new robots. That was, that was a cool scene. I like that scene a lot. You know what? Um, you know who plays Sonny? It's the guy from uh, Firefly. Firefly. Alan yeah. Tudyk. In Dodgeball. He, he's going to be in... Uh, <laughs> in Firefly. He's going to be in uh, Rogue One as the droid, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. He's very sassy. So, yeah, um... What I mean, would, uh, what would you uh, overall? Overall, on this rewatch. Overall, what would you grade it? On the rewatch, I'd probably give it maybe a like a. I don't want to give it an eight, but I don't want to give it seven point five. So I'm gonna go seven point eight out of ten. I thought you were gonna say seven, but okay, yeah. I I I really. <laughs> that was a T Rex move. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I really enjoy it, and uh, the rewatch, you know, it's still. 
actiony to me in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, but there's still those sci-fi elements. I think if they take a, a certain story from the book, I think it could be um, really good. Oh yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Um, if you had to change one scene in that movie, what would it be? One scene would probably be like an unnecessary scene. You think they could the, sh- the shower scene in the beginning when they show Will Smith in the shower? That's no, so no, unneeded. that's mandatory. That is unneeded. Have you ever seen Willie Smith nipples? Oh. And then you see the box, <laughs> like the camera pans oh, so really? slow. Oh, really? Is this PG-13? I think so. Huh. Yeah, because the uh, Shia LaBeouf character swears. Oh, that's right. He must have been 13 when they filmed this, too. He looks so excited to swear. Yeah, he was young. I think this was, this was his first non-Disney Channel movie, I think, too, at the time. Probably. Wow. All right, that was Mario with uh, iRobot. Great movie. I still love it. Not one of my top three, obviously, but still a great movie. Now we're on to. I think you're joshing me. I am joshing you. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Well, I will say I have it on DVD. Yeah. And I do watch it time to time. I still enjoy myself. Yeah. It does have its flaws. All movies have flaws. But uh, on to Chris Hawks now. Chris, what was your movie you chose? I picked um, the classic. The classic. See, you, super classic. You hyped us up last time. I did. I was gonna do Blade Runner. Yep. But um. Why'd you change it? Because um. Because Mila. You, you need to be in a certain mood to watch Blade Runner. Oh, that's, I that's found true. out. You can't watch it on a sunny day. You can't watch it when you're particularly happy. You have to be in a mood. Yeah. For me personally, I just think it's one of those movies where you got to be in a mood to fully immerse yourself and enjoy yourself in Blade Runner. And I just wasn't in that mood lately. Every time I tried to watch it originally, like I would be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay down. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it on. I'm gonna watch it. You fall asleep. I, I fall asleep yeah, instantly. Yeah. Every Absolutely, time. it happens all the time. Like the, the first time I tried to watch Blade Runner, I stopped about 15 minutes in because I couldn't stand uh, the narration of Harrison Ford. So I was like, this it, is terrible. So you rewatched it without the narration. And then it was amazing. But the thing was, I watched it when it was very late at night. Yeah. All by myself. Bowl of popcorn. It was, so you chose Fifth I cho- Element. I chose the Fifth, fifth element, element over yep. Blade Runner. So tell us about tell us something about Fifth Element. So if you haven't seen this movie. Who hasn't seen it? Has anyone not seen the movie? Raise Besides your hands. Milo. Raise your Besides hands. my dog Milo. Raise your hands. But, but, um, he's, he's raising his paws. This movie particularly is very means a lot to me because um, this is one of the first sci-fi movies me and my dad watched together. Mm-hmm. And it was just so over-the-top funny. It's one with, of his favorites, right? Oh, absolutely. I got it for him for his birthday. You know what's funny is uh, when my dad was uh, first started wrestling mm-hmm. and he uh, dyed his hair blonde... Yeah. Uh, somebody um, he's, oh, no. yep, said yeah. he looked like he looked like Bruce Willis from. He's like, yeah, Cor- Bruce Willis. Corbin Dallas. <laughs> yeah, we went. To, I forget where we were, and the guy yelled out. The guy was definitely like drunk or something. He was like Bruce Willis, and my dad was like, right Your on. dad. Your dad was was. Yeah, he was. He was in shape then. Your dad. <laughs> Damn. Oh man. But uh, about this movie is uh, it's very very important to me. It means a lot to me. It's one of the first sci-fi movies me and my dad watched together that we really enjoy and we really have a great time watching it. I love this movie. This is one of the few movies that I actually could watch again and again and again. And I'm not usually one of those people that can watch movies again and again and again. I get bored very easily. And this movie just hits a lot of good spots. Hits a very lot of good spots with me. It is, as I already said, it's funny. But it is just some of the funniest... Some of the funniest scenes that I've ever seen in movies are in this movie. I'm looking at Chris Tucker right there. Heck yeah, Chris Tucker. Chris is, Tucker. Is, the, is, that um, best, is that your favorite character? Yes, that's mine. Then. Or your favorite part? I, I think Bruce, so. Him and Mila. It's just near... Mila? I call it Mia. Mia. Yeah. Mila. But uh, this movie is... It is one of the most fun movies. 
It is action-packed. This movie goes like a thousand miles per hour. Oh, yeah. This movie does not slow down for anyone. Well, the opera scene kind of slows down a little bit. Kind of. There's but still a fight goes, scene in the she's opera singing, scene. And it's like, she's like getting some beatboxing. Yeah, but there's some pauses yeah. there. <laughs> um, it's in me. Uh, <laughs> it's the uh, uh, oh, good scene. But um, I love, I, I literally love almost everything about this movie. It's I fantastic. Will, I remember when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I just remember there's, there's so much CGI. Yes, there's CGI. The CGI is okay. Yeah, I respect that. I forgot how I the love, aliens were practical effects. Yes, the and practical I was, effects. I was, I applauded that a lot. I love that a lot about the movie. That's what we're missing. So, yeah, that's what. So you got, you got some questions for me. I'm, I'm going. I'm gonna go with Mario because Mario, you're a good question man. You gotta ask questions. Got some questions. What's you want question? me to ask questions? You got some questions. How, um, how does this stand as a Bruce Willis movie? So that's I actually was paying very close attention to that the other night, and Bruce Willis brings a. Of course, a lot of people like to describe this as Die Hard in space, but I think that's somewhere. Oh, that's no, no, no it's somewhere. Sure. Well, yeah. because it's kind no of, it's kind of almost. I would well, it features a very similar character as John McClane, and Bruce Willis is like the most masculine guy. Corbin Dallas is the most masculine guy in this entire movie. He's like the John Wayne. He is the John Wayne um, of the, the universe. Of the new era of action movies. The, the way he talks in it too reminds me of his character in Sin City, the way he talks. It's like, it's stern, but like kind of a whisper voice. In the movie, he's like the perfect man almost. Like every other guy in the movie is displayed having some type of physical or emotional or, or psychological disadvantage. Well, Bruce Willis is almost the perfect human male in this movie. Bruce Willis brings a certain childlike quality to this movie. There are certain times where you can see like this smirk that Bruce Willis has, and it's very, very charming. Like I couldn't help but giggle like a little schoolgirl when he smiled. When uh, <laughs> like when he gets his, um, he asks if there's any cl- he uh, can change in anything on uh, Flossin, and the girl opens up a thing of tuxedos, and Bruce Willis does this grin, and it it's. One of the best yeah, grins I've yeah. ever seen in my entire life. It was just, it's classic. You can Where tell was, his, ca- his character's never really been in a lot of tuxedos. Yeah. Taxi cab driver, so. I think Bruce Willis brings like a, like a joy. Like a, a charisma gle- to it. A gleefulness. Yeah. That, um, that's just, I haven't seen Bruce Willis a lot since. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one thing too. I haven't seen many like big budget movies recently. What was the last one he was in? Big oh, budget. He's that ones. one where he's the owner of a building and then, like his brother dies and but we don't know if his brother dies, but it's his brother's stealing from him from the bank. There's previews of it. I forget what it was. Oh uh, He's in a lot of straight to D V D movies. He is. Uh, Some of them are years. good, some of them aren't. The good ones don't have minutes. Ever so. since the whole Sylvester Stallone controversy with uh, expendables. That and uh what is it? The cop movie. Cop out. Cop out. Cop I out. like cop out. We were just talking cop about Cop Out that. was a sellout. I like Cop Out, so... I still haven't seen it. Coming from a Kevin Smith fan, I'd never finished Cop Out. I could not pass the first 15 minutes. I feel like after that, it's got some good jokes, but if the first 15 minutes don't grasp me in a movie, I will most likely be like, I'm done with this movie. Is it Kevin Hart, or is it... It's uh, Tracy Morgan? Yeah, Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Morgan. Before the Walmart I, see, incident. You can tell in that movie, he's kind of getting tired of that role. Bruce Willis? Yes, I think that's well, what it is. The truth behind the scenes footage of it is that Kevin Smith... Refuses to work with him ever again. Yeah, because him he and Kevin hates Smith. Bruce Willis now. They got into a huge really? thing. Kevin Smith used to be filming, yeah. Kevin Smith used to be like the biggest Will Smith fan, not Will Smith, Bruce Willis <laughs> yeah, fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were in uh, the fourth Die Hard. 
He was in the fourth Die Hard. Kevin Smith? He, yeah, and he helped uh, write some scenes, apparently. Yeah, but that was before Cop Out, though. That was before Cop Out. Yeah, but I'm sorry. Apparently, Bruce Willis was a Dingleberry. A huge, yeah. A huge, really? yeah. yeah. But, we talk about Fifth Element. That's true. Yeah. Cop Out's for another another day, hopefully not. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> you never know. But, uh, let's see. My question for you is, this is kind of like related to the movie, not really. Mila, was it Mila? Is that right? Mila Jovovich? Yeah, Mila whatever her last name jo- is. Jovovich. I always pronounce the wrong one. I'm always asked to pronounce it in front of someone. Uh, just quick answer. Not really fifth element related. Resident Evil. Final chapter. Yay or nay on it. You gonna watch it or no? You gonna watch it? You gotta uh, watch yeah, it? sure, why not? Alright, good, good. It's the last one, <laughs> might as well. I don't care. <laughs> the Do first you- Resident Evil is one of my is a, such a great movie. Is this her exactly. best film in your opinion? I actually am not a big fan of Mila. But, but you've seen. when she's rattling off unknown words in the taxi cab, oh, I was yeah. just, I really was in awe. Like, I was, I was watching it, and I was just like, That's, this, is, this is some great stuff. Yeah. This is what I'm watching right now. I just, it's great, the way, the, how fast she's saying it, how crazy she looks, how helpless she looks. It's just... Banging on the glass. It's just... Yeah. Ha, ba, da, da, da. Ha, ba, ba. He's I like, wish I could... What was that? I don't know what I... Okay. <laughs> who direct, who di- who's Luke the director? Ba- uh, Luke... Skywalker. I can, I can never pronounce his last name. <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Luke <laughs> Skywalker. So cool. It's Blessing or... Do you know other, any other movies he's done? Yeah, he's done a ton. Uh, fourth Professional. First oh, element. he did The Professional. Oh, wow. uh, his name is Luke Besson, yeah. Oh, wow. Dang. Well then. Taken 2. Stuff like that. Uh, What's your favorite part of the movie? I think as a whole... I'm, oh, we're going to do this in like two parts. All right, do two parts. As a whole, the way how... There's a certain style to this movie, and it's evident. It's the music, it's the colors. This movie is very colorful. Oh this yes, is, the outfits are too. Yeah, the range of colors in this in this movie, it's the, like sure. the outfits, and um, <laughs> it's not. I wish I could. I I don't know if there's a word to describe it, but I call it almost like trippy pop punk instead of steampunk type of thing. Yeah, it's like trippy pop, trippy pop punk. That's what. That's how I would describe. Chris it. Rock's outfits. Oh, not Chris what Rock. Do you think, Chris you. What do you think of the whole? Uh, I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay. I'm not Two done. parts, Mario. And, Sorry. Two parts. And my favorite part. Favorite part. Favorite part. Favorite part. Man, that's that's rough stuff. Okay, when someone says, "Have you seen Fifth Element?" What's the first scene that goes to mind? We'll go with that. Oh, jeez. What's the first thing you quote? What's yeah. the first thing I quote? The quote. Quotes easier. Quotes. Yeah. Um. Not multi-pass. Welcome to Paradise. Welcome to Flossin' Paradise. Yes. It's the Ruby Rod. It's the Ruby Rod oh, entrance. No. It's it just you can't beat that. I love it. I love it already. What, what was your question, Mario? That's I'd have to, Ruby Rod's entrance to the movie would have to be my favorite part of the movie. He killed it in that movie. I love. I was going to ask you because uh, doing research on it, they say a big part of the movie is old versus new. Mm-hmm. Old and new things living together. Mm-hmm. Like they show the the old Chinese boat and then. But it still Amazing. floats, but it still floats, it you know what I mean? It still floats. Like the taxi cab thing. Ah, good philosophy. That it, the the objects right. in the movie and the story itself are just very old and new living mm-hmm. together. What do you, what do you, Did you see that when you were watching I it? I thought there was more new than old, other than the fact that the, the way to beat the old ancient evil was to use old stuff. But at the same time, they needed new stuff to build the old stuff. It was, it was cool, but I didn't think that was a main thing I focused on during yeah. the movie. Okay, that's that. Yeah, I mean, that was just my question. <laughs> now re rewatching it when you were going to it, where you were like, 
you already knew you were going to love it again because you watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty I mean, biased. That's how I am. Yeah, I love that element too. It's one of like a really cool movie. I have two Blu-ray copies of it. I don't know why I have two. Just because? I mean, why not? Exactly. You have the I need book? five of them. I think. Have you seen the steel book of it? It looks good. Where, I got I got Best it for my dad. Is it Best Buy? I got it for mm-hmm. my dad. I know where I'm going. And it looks amazing. I went back to get it. Another one for me. It sold out, wasn't it? And it just had the anniversary edition, which oh. isn't as bad. But wasn't steel. But the steel book is just beautiful. I it's love steel books. Beautiful. When it comes to movies. Beautiful. B e a beautiful. Now, um, do you think the? Uh, what I'm trying to think. They're not really enemies, but the guys who go to Bruce Willis's like apartment to get him. You know what I'm talking about? The generals. Yeah. Do you think they're like overly dumb? Well, that's that's actually a main part of the movie is that yeah. every character in this movie is some type of flawed, very flawed. Like the jump, the general is a bumbly idiot, and the female is a little bit too butch. Oh, yeah, everyone, she was. Oh, every, my God. <laughs> everyone is is like a big character caricature in this movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like Mila Jovovich is perfect, as says the biologist who made her again. But Corbin Dallas is basically perfect. I mean, he really does nothing wrong in this movie. Yeah, I I actually agree with that. I really do. I am like uh, this movie. What about, I mean, even the priest is a even the priest is kind of a bumbling idiot too. What about Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman, oh goodness, that Gary, man. Gary Oldman disappears into this role a lot. He does. He, I've never seen him do the same thing twice. And as an actor, I think that's awesome because yeah, it's, it's really cool. Same thing with uh, John Travolta does that same thing, um, and I I have that. Um, the DVD copy of Yankee Doodle Dandy, which is one of my all-time shush, which is all shush, 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 which is one of my favorite movies, like older movies. It's it came out at like it was being made during Pearl Harbor, so it's very America, you know what I mean? And it's about George M. Cohan. The Broadway singer and playwright and stuff, um, but there's a scene in in the um, in the special features where John Travolta's talking about uh, I forget the actor's name who <laughs> plays George M. Cohan. It's uh, James Cagney. James Ooh. Cagney, and uh, John Travolta talks about how he never wanted to play the same role twice. He always wanted to get lost in the, in something different and he challenged himself that way. And that's, that's why I feel like, uh, Gary Ullman is, there's a few actors who do that. I can see that they never play the same thing twice. He's a chameleon. Yes. Yep. And Gary Ullman is awesome at that. The best part about this movie is that Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman never share the screen together in the entire movie. They that's, never, they never meet. That's true. That's they, true. they never. I never meet. realized that. That's amazing. They never meet. Did your mind just get blown. I would have loved for them to meet, but alas. Do you have any more questions for Chris Hawk? Uh, fun I get, question. I'll give you a real I got one question. more. Would you wear those outfits today? I, I actually Dude. thought about cosplaying as Mila, as like a gender bent Mila for Halloween. I Dude, thought about it. Neat. Why not? Maybe we should. Yeah, what's all cosplay fifth element this year? Ooh, oh, I thought we were doing uh, Batman villains. We'll Batman, we'll or we're Batman. doing villains in general. We could do a two face thing, half thing Batman, half thing. Yeah, you're right. I'll be Gary. You gonna be Zorg? I'm Bruce yeah. Willis, but I'm Darth Vader with the ZF one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My last question for Chris Hawk. Go ahead. Uh huh. My last question for Chris Hawk is, how is love an element? Oh my goodness. Love love transcends all things. Love will keep us together. I like how they didn't drown you with the love fact. Where it's, like, love. Yeah. It's, it's just like... It's just mostly figured out at the end. Yeah, it's, it, they just let it happen. According, according to Luke Besson, 
Besson. Besson. His the fifth element is life, love, and art. That the, that's what the fifth element life, is. Life, love, and art. I would have to, I would have to agree. Although it doesn't make sense to have earth, wind, fire, and water, and then love. Then the fire tribe came yeah. and took over. But that's that's how uh, Captain Planet did it. So that's uh, it's one of the best blockbusters of uh, the twentieth. 20th, 21st century, right? You guys want yeah. to know like something really, 20th, really, 20th century. really, really crazy? Yes. All right. 1997 is when this movie came out. Okay. Yes. The other movies, other sci-fi movies that came out with it, listen to this. Yo. Contact. Really? Gattaca. Oh. Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Starship Troopers. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Men in Black was great, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying. It's just compared All to, those like, movies came out. 1997. I just want to say, um, one person who you don't get lost in a role is Matthew McConaughey, who's in Contact. Oh, no. And I think that's probably his best acting movie, honestly, is because he's different from himself. What about Taste and Confused? You should totally... I think everything else is just him. You should totally watch my love-hate relationship show, True, True Tag. Detective. Yeah, you should watch I'll that. Have to You'll be interested I'll have to in rent. that. I'll have to borrow it from you. Have you got eight hours to spare? I, I want to ask Chris Hawk again. Go ahead. Something yes. Again. Yes. Table's yours? Yes. Yes. If you were a critic, yes. Uh, what's your honest rating of Fifth Element? Honest rating is without any biasism. I think this movie moves a little bit too fast. I believe that, although I sound super crazy, not super crazy, but I sound to yourself. Not like <laughs> it's something I did notice that yeah. um, all women are object- objectified in this movie. Yeah. For sex, sex as they're either super. Androgynous. Yeah. Whether they look like they could be male or female. Or they're used as like a sex object. Because my critic, my honest critic review. I'm not done. I'm not done. Hold on. My robot. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I meant by the 7.8. That's my review. That's my critic review of it. Okay. That's your Metacritic. Because I, yeah, it Metacritic. Uh, yeah. No, Metacritic would be a lot lower. Because Metacritic's 20%. I have to do five reviews and then average them out. Yeah. And then do like a, like a little bar graph and be like, <laughs> This movie moves at like 1,000 miles per hour, as I said before. I think while the pacing, is, it does move fast, the pacing is wonderful. But I still think it, it's very fast. Yeah. Now, it's not bad, but it's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, but I like how the fast works out with the movie's like kind of yeah. tone in a way, where it's like this movie's going fast, but it's like it, it, it could go faster if you wanted to. So Chris, it's like a roller coaster. The the ending is kind of a anticlimactic. Well, a little really. bit anticlimactic. Yeah. The best scenes of the movie is definitely the the spaceship at Floston, and then it, it really does kind of slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So honest to goodness, true critic Chris Hawk rating would be a with numbers. Numbers. Oh, okay. I'll do. I'll do numbers. Is it five elements out of five elements? It is. That'd be cool. <laughs> it is a seven point nine. Oh, let's let's round up. I'm gonna go eight out of ten. Let's go eight, eight, out of 10. eight out of ten. So is it a must own from the Chris Taku grade? Is it a must own? It's a must it's own a movie. Must own. Yeah, I agree with that. It's a must own for sure. It's it's a cool. It's just cool movie all around. Also, the opera scene. Just, the opera scene is phenomenal. That's all I, I gotta say about the opera. The transitions on that. The um, as it's funny as you say transitions. Oh no. Some of the best transitions in this. There are some great editing transitions oh, in yeah. this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. They just. They're so great. 
Like, it's not over, like... It's, it's not. not! It's actually, like, in time with the movie. It's just, like, when, um... He says, count to ten. And it shows ten on the bomb. I was like, oh my god, that's so amazing. Hmm. And then there's other parts. And it's just... This is just one of your favorites. It's such a good, yeah. fun movie. It's reasons why it's respected because it's a really good movie. It's also incredibly funny. That you can watch it anytime it's on TV. Absolutely. Besides Netflix, it's off Netflix now. But uh, that was Chris Hawk with uh, Fifth Element. Golfers clap. Golfers clap. So uh, next is uh, well, it's kind of the main event. It's it is. It's not the main event. <laughs> I think the reason why it is, it's going to be a long speech probably, because like this movie has so much stuff going around it. It's a big cult following. I chose uh, A Clockwork Orange mm-hmm. by Stanley Kubrick from 1971. <laughs> Say that again. I think Chris Fox Muhammad must have blocked the... Uh... <laughs> Clockwork Orange. Fun fact. NC-17 rating. So tell us... I didn't know that. Tell us what yep, elements... I didn't know either. Tell us what elements of this movie make it science fiction. The fifth element. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made it. Um, so, like, so when you first watch it, you're thinking, like, this is not a sci-fi movie. Yeah. It's more of, like, a drama. But it actually involves... It actually is. It's really a heavy drama. It's in the future. It is in the future, yeah. Near future. Near no, future. no, no, bro. Super future. The future. The ultra-violent future. Near future. The ultra-violent future. But the no, ultra-violence. Um, yeah, ultra-future. <laughs> um... The way this movie's about basically a guy named Alex, he's a teenager, played by Malcolm McDowell, great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, him and his droogs, which is, uh, I guess, it's a Russian slang term that Anthony Burgess made up in the book, which means friends, obviously. Mm-hmm. They drink milk that's laced with <laughs> LSD and they just do a lot of ultra violence. Like, and to yeah. people that never seen the movie, probably that's a dumb plot. It's just violence. And actually, yes and no. Because the first half of the movie, when I first saw it, I was like, this is just, it's just a bunch of rape and murder. Yeah. Which is just... horrible. Then, like, at the, uh, near about two quarters of the way in, it's a long movie, it's like a two and a half hour movie, mm-hmm. maybe three There's hours. There's a reason for the, for the violence. Yeah, of course. Like, everything relates, because if, uh, if you guys ever seen a Kubrick movie, you guys obviously have, I'm up people with the audience. Yeah. Uh, there's a movie called Room 237, documentary on The Shining. Mm-hmm. Kubrick does everything in the background to a point where it's kind of like a cinema madness where if you look in the background, you know something from his old films, uh, things have meanings in it. Like yeah. The Shining was about the Indian War, people apparently. Are, people are still trying to figure out meanings about 2001 Space Odyssey. Space it's not going to happen, and I'm going to get a headache by but thinking about it. <laughs> would you say this is the most like in-your-face meanings? Yeah, like, I would. Like this movie? You, you know what I'm they saying? Can, yeah, yeah. They kind of they kind of almost spell it out for you. Yeah, yeah. They're like, they're like it's not like Kubrick's like, oh, we're just gonna have a guy rape someone and then just say brainwash and see if you can figure it out. No, it's yeah. like we're gonna walk you through step A to Z, straight mm-hmm. up. And that's what I like about it. It's one of the straightforward films, which I appreciate of him doing that. Because if not, I would have hated the absolute crap out of this film. But uh, not gonna lie, my first two viewings of it, I hated it. I didn't yeah. like it. Third time I watched it for a uh, class, just Same. to like, analyze it. Loved it, and from there on out, I loved it. I have multiple Blu-ray copies of it, one DVD. I have the vinyl, the record of it, the original like 1971 vinyl soundtrack. I love it a lot. Um, not just that, a lot of Easter eggs are in it. The movie's very interesting. So without further ado, I want you guys to overload me with questions. Whoever wants to go first? What? Whoever wants to go yeah. Oh my goodness. Chris Lock. What, what is your favorite me? symbolism in this movie? Oh my gosh. That's a, um, that's a good question. I already know mine. One of the, um, a lot of it is, I would say my favorite symbolism part is how Alex's quote unquote, one of the main theories is that he's like a Satan son almost, like he's like Lucifer or something like that, where like he has a snake in his room, it's actually called Basil, 
and actually hangs it up on kind of like a tree. Some loses it. He has multiple uh, crucified Jesuses in his room that are part of like a dancing group almost, and it sinks in with Beethoven's uh, music, which triggers him to go into his ultra-violent mode. And also, uh, fun fact, his doorbell to his house is the first five notes of Beethoven's fifth. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So which is very, yeah, exactly. Fifth element. Oh, no. Illuminati. Oh, <laughs> I had to keep it going. Illuminati, yeah. What's your favorite symbolism in the movie, Chris? Uh, it's pretty... It's like one of the most famous scenes in the movie, but um, he obviously is a big fan of Lud of Ludwig von Beethoven, yes. very much so. So the fact when the lady he's about to kill is swinging the bust of Ludwig von Beethoven at him while he's swinging a giant penis at her. Yes, that is, is true. Is, he is. Great scene, by the way. Is, it's, it's all about the intellectualism versus brutality and all that jazz. How, you know... Alex has like two parts to him. He has his very smart side, and then he has his ultraviolet side. What I like to do with the movie is like when you hear like, uh, if you haven't seen this movie, you hear us talking about like Beethoven's music. You're like, oh, it's just it's classical. It's gonna be a boring movie. But every once you watch the movie, when you hear the songs, it's either a you're thinking about the Clockwork Orange like scene that relates to it, or b you're just thinking of like just something else. But for me, when I watch the movie, I hear Beethoven songs, and it goes right back to that movie. Because it sinks in so well with the scenes, and also it ruins singing in the rain for you. Too. Absolutely! Oh my it gosh! The absolute because, in an artistic way, he uh, basically there's a scene where um, Alex and his Drugs break in a house, and um, they knock out this old dude and make and him he watch. Sings it the whole time. Yeah, and it was an improvised scene by the way. It wasn't even uh, yeah, Michael McDowell. They uh, said the scene was too drab. Yeah, and he was like, okay, and he just starts singing the song. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they filmed that scene about seventy four times. The actress, oh the actress that was supposed to be getting raped. The first actress quit, saying it was too much work. And the second actress was like, yeah, let's do it. And they went hardcore on it, literally hardcore. But, um, yeah, that that was an interesting scene for sure. Uh, so much stuff goes on in this movie where if you watch it about five times, you'll notice at least something new every time. Like in the record store, there's a record in the back with 2001 Space Odyssey, a couple Pink Floyd records that backed out of the movie before the singles came out. Stuff like that is just fun. He, um, he pretty much steals... He pretty much is the movie, I Malcolm guess. Malcolm McDowell? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for so sure. So he, he definitely makes the movie. What Like, if you like it or dislike it, you can still I think you can still appreciate what he brings to that role. He ripped his cornea in the eye scene. Did you know that? Really? What eye scene? Where Okay, so they hold his eyes open with, like, eye holders, and it's for that therapy session he's doing where he mm -hmm. watches the Nazi films, and mm -hmm. they play bad music over it. There is a... Uh, they don't have it on film, but on one of the scenes, uh, the eye thing slipped out and cut his cornea. And he said, I can't film that ever again. So the, the cut you see there where he's screaming, saying, let me out, is actually Malcolm McDowell saying, he's trying to say cut, but he won't say cut. Because that was Kubrick's rules. When others say cut on film, I say cut. And basically, it was actually Malcolm McDowell's real scream saying, I want out of this effing chair, please. And, wow. Yeah, he's... the guy gave him eye drops, too. It was actually a real doctor to be on duty to make sure he would actually have the right amount of really? water for his he, eyes. He basically got LASIK eye surgery. Pretty much, yeah. That was It's crazy. And uh, actresses quitting because, you know, a lot of... That happens all the time the with Kubrick. Though. Oh, yeah, because Kubrick, even on The Shining, he was more hardcore towards the ladies because, like, he would give the men slack on some roles. When it comes to, like, lady, like Shelley Duvall... In The Shining, she almost quit. He gave her hell, straight up hell, and was like, I hate you. You're like the worst actress. And the movie came out, and he's like, I apologize. I think he was actually for the movie. Well, that's came like out. Eyes Wide Shut. They think he hated. Um, I hate Eyes Wide Cole Shut. Kidman? That yeah, Cole Kidman? Yeah, he, he didn't like the way their relationship was with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in real life. So he, there's like theories that he made that whole movie just to break them up. It worked. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it's pretty so crazy. Terrible. What's your question, Mario? Or whoever wants to ask a question. Um, 
Let me tell you this though. This might change your mind. Um, this is Kubrick's most true to like book fashion movies are going like basically like off yeah. the books almost. Yeah, because The Shining was nothing. Well, like... Well, they say the ending yeah. is different in the book compared. So to this. when I read the book. Uh, a second time reading in high school, I caught something that was kind of uncomfortable, and I'm glad Kubrick said he didn't want to film it that way, where Alice is actually 15 years old, and the girl they raped in the beginning is actually a nine-year-old. In the book? In the book, and they did not want to film that. Ooh, That's geez, obviously yeah, I'm sketchy. I'm glad they didn't That's that. super sketchy. So, in the book, he's 15, and it ends with him being, um... <laughs> it ends with him being 17, but in the movie, he starts off 17 and ends at 19, to get out of a mature rating for it. Yeah, That's but. Good. Yeah, in the books, pedophilia was a heavy, heavy thing in the books. And obviously a lot more drugs and a lot more details were in the book. What about this movie makes you like it? That's the thing. I don't know. I just like it. Is, I, like, I is, people, it is it the symbolism, you think? It might be. I just like, I'm a guy, like, I liked Revenant, and you weren't really a fan of it. Well, it's not that. I think I Tom Hardy it. was the best part of that movie. Oh, God, he was. I like, I liked that movie when I watched it in theaters. But that I think that's because it's it's built for theaters. Yeah, it's made for theaters. If you watch that movie at home, you you're gonna fall asleep. I don't think you can sit at home and watch that movie unless it's a unless you're invested. And it's kind of like uh, Blade Runner. I think you gotta be in the mood to mm, watch that. Movie. Absolutely. But I, like ten years down the line, I just don't think uh, people are gonna be like. Um, well, I mean, there might be some people who will put more uh, thought into Revenant, but. When this uh, film came out, uh, it was, well, when the book, too, it was considered a communist propaganda. Do you really? know why? Why? Because it's the language is a mix of Russian, and they thought it was towards Russian people to, like, yeah. revolt, which is the stupidest thing. But, I mean, you never know. You never know. Let's just say you that. You never know with a Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> that's, that's really true. Um, when this movie came out in theaters, it, um, after about a month, Kubrick pulled it from theaters. Really? Why? Two reasons why. There were copycat crimes going around. When the movie came out, uh. in 1973, a man raped a Dutch girl with his group of, I guess, droogs as he called them, while singing, singing in the rain. That was one incident, and Kubrick wow. felt responsible for that. Yeah. Second one, a 16-year-old was beating up a way younger kid than him while wearing Alice's outfit. Wow. A lot of stuff was happening in that time, yeah. Um, People also, are weird, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a... It's also movie. the 70s. Now, speaking of symbolism... Uh, my like sixth, seventh time catching this, I was actually in an art class at the time in high school, and I just watched the film because I was bored. I watched the film again. I was like, this this looks familiar, like a painting I've seen, but it's live action. So, fun fact: in the scene after Alex talks with the priest about this new therapy thing he might sign up for, the next scene is prisoners walking in a circle, like in their like little yard they have that's, yeah. that's walled up. Um, it's actually a recreating of a painting by Vincent Van Gogh in 1890. Really. About just walking in circles is what it was. What, what do you know? Which symbolism is for Alex, where he starts off in the circle of him being ultra-violent. Halfway through, he's not violent. It it's back, back, it's yeah. a recycle system, yeah. See, what I like, I think the symbolism that I liked when I watched it and when I uh, was looking like stuff up on the meanings mm-hmm. and stuff was that you're more... It's better to be to choose violence than just to be like... Forced to be good. You're forced yeah. to be good. And I think that's pretty interesting. Now I'm gonna ask both of you questions. Yes. You guys remember, oh. remember how it ends, right? Uh, yeah, I just rewatched it. Making sure. But basically, Chris, give me a refresh, five minute, Chris. Okay, so refresh. he's cameras are around him. They're like, it cured him. He's the first patient to go alive, and then it actually goes into his head where he's still like the same self. 
He's like with a naked girl and like a bunch of bubbles. People are clapping and he's like, I haven't changed. Mm-hmm. In the book, he actually gets older. still hasn't changed, but he meets his old droogs and they've changed to mature adults. And they're like, you're immature now. And that's how it ends. Would you prefer that ending? Yeah. What would you prefer, Mario? Because both endings are sad, but that's way sad. That's way um, more realistic too. I think I prefer the the movie because the it movie works ending, in the movie. That's true. It works for the movie because because that part when he sees them as cops, I feel like when it fit towards the end because you already saw how they mm-hmm. where, where they ended up. Because then if you skip again, you're just like, okay, we're back at them again. You know what I mean? So oh, I, gotcha. I, I kind of like the way they ended it. It's just like, ha. You know what I mean? Now, would you <laughs> believe bad. this is uh, Kubrick's and Malcolm McDowell's? Um, they personally hate this movie. They hate it? They hate it. Malcolm McDowell said he hates it. I can, see, it I can see why they hate it because yeah. it, it seems it's like stressful. It's, it's stressful. Yeah, because you gotta, you got to become that person mm-hmm. while you're acting. you gotta become you got to become violent. you got to become... The best part is that you kind of feel sorry for Alex. And you shouldn't he, be. Yeah, and you shouldn't. Which I think the reason why is because like, he's not the most evil person in the movie that they technically show. Like, technically... As the a main gov- character, the he is, government like, is the, the evil. government, yeah. yeah. But it's like government. at the same time, it's the like government. they're both the evil. Government. Who do I cheer for? Yeah, I like that. A uh, bunch of stuff like that. Government stuff. Uh, it's very kind of propaganda-ish against government. I would I, say. I would think so because it, yeah. it's like uh, the government want. It portrays that the government wants to control the population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there's a scene um, where he puts in the Beethoven tape, and um, he is not on screen. But visibly, he is winking. Mm. Now, if you don't remember that scene, uh, and it goes through <laughs> what he's thinking in his head, it's like it's him with vampire thief of blood in his mouth. Yes, uh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's like it's like a giant aneurysm hitting you. Like, yeah, the it was, rocks all. Cl- it tries to brainwash in. you in kind of way, but like in that scene, do you know what he was doing off camera to make that kind of effect? Hmm. Taking off his boots real slow. Really? Yeah, he was taking off his shoes really slow, and then just getting the weird face on. That's weird. And the, uh, like you talked about earlier before we started the podcast, um, there's a very comical, about 30, 40 second scene of a fast forward threesome. Yes. Super fast forward to Beethoven's, I think, fifth. And it's like hyper like eight times faster than the song. And you're like, this just, it's, it's funny. And then it's like, you read the trivia on it, and Kubrick never yelled cut. So they actually filmed like three hours worth of that, of Alex just going, let's go, let's go, let's go. And it was uh, chaotic. Yeah. To say the least. <laughs> this movie's outrageous, honestly. Working with him must have been really stressful, working with Kubrick. I mean, the man is an artist, don't get me wrong, and he... He's the fifth element. He's the fifth element. He's the fifth element. He is the fifth. Oh my god. Illuminati, we just figured it out. Illuminati. It's in him. Oh man. But yeah, it must be really hard to work with, it, to have worked with him. So once they uh, finish, uh, finish filming... There were over twenty hours of unused film. Really? Do you know where that went? The Library of Congress. He told all his people that filmed it to throw it away, and they really? tore it up. He did not want to see it again. So no one knows what's in those films, except but, for him and some of the editors. But the original cut was supposed to be four and a half hours long. I would have not. And watched we will it never see movie. it. I agree. I probably wouldn't watch it yeah. that long. Like for sure. Gone with the Wind. After the first intermission, I'm like, I'm gonna turn this off. Yeah, I never. Even <laughs> it's seen not like anymore. an epic like Lord of the Rings, so I'm not watching a movie that long. People say it's a classic because at the time it was good, and you watch it now and it doesn't really hold up to it. I mean, it, it definitely holds up. Kind of, it's kind of like the same when we watched Planet of the Apes. Like, I mean, even though it's different because I love Planet of the Apes, it, there's parts where you're like, it, it. Everything's different. Everything was different then. Yeah. It was perceived different, and Kubrick even. 
does that with eyes wide shut, like it's still it moves slower. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's I think it holds up like um, what what Joey say like as a mature person, like you said, you said it too. It depends on who's watching it, like age yeah, wise. For sure. Um, I'm sure there's 16 year olds though, like who are gonna be like, oh boobies, but um, <laughs> but like I think I think it holds up to a certain standard. Um, if you're a fan of film, if you uh, really want to sit down and watch something, <laughs> oh my gosh, Mario's wrestling his dog. Oh no, it's a robot dog. It's a robot dog. It's a robot dog. It's, it's a robot dog. Element. It's. Life. It's so cute. It's amazing. We're gonna no, we're gonna commentate on how you're doing. How you're. Uh... He's about to drop an elbow on this dog. Oh, he just did. Someone called Peter. How do you um <laughs> when you tell people about this movie? How do you describe it to them so they would want to watch it? That's that's the fun part. Uh, everyone since when I first started liking this film up until now, out of like fifty people, I said you need to watch this movie. Only two have watched it, and out of those two, only one liked it. The other one was like, yeah. Um, That's think, actually really good odds. Yeah. They're like, I think you have a problem. And I was like, well, they, see, the way I, I like movies, this is actually one of my top two movies of all time, too, is that if a movie has great cinematography, I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that. Like, Revenant, I liked. This is, some some shots in this movie are really are spectacular. So this movie is actually a low-budget movie. Like, super, like, under a million dollar low-budget. Oh, I believe it. Uh, they, <laughs> they, uh, they filmed, like, some of their... Uh, like dolly shots, like where camera falls yeah. in one take on wheelchairs. Really? They found on the street, took a wheelchair out, said it's film on it. That's interesting. I respect that too. Um, I would say that question at the end of this, when you ask how I'm going to rate this movie, it's, it's going to be hard. I'm, I'm going gonna, 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 gonna to ask Chris Hawk first what he, his opinion of the movie is as a whole. As, as a, whole, a whole, what would you say, Chris? I don't enjoy this movie. What? Okay. What I look for in a movie is to be entertained. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind movies that hold a mirror up to society and says, this is what you have become. And this is what will happen. Those are great. They're just, they're not for me. I, I, those are not my type of movies. I enjoy entertaining movies. To me, this, while meaningful, a lot of symbolism, it just wasn't a Chris Hawk movie. Yeah. I, I think with Kubrick's films, um, he's pretentious. Let's be honest. Yes. He's like, that's what I mean by it's hard when, to work when you're, with. Him. When you saw Room 237, you're like, oh, he's, he's got great detail, but. Everyone works with him is like, yeah, he's pretentious. He's full of himself. Well, I'm pretty sure that detail is, is especially hard to work with because an art an artist is their worst their own worst critic, mm-hmm. and so he probably wanted to get he probably had OCD up the butt, so he probably wanted to get everything right down to the nitty gritty. Multiple things from nitty gritty, orange just like were... with me with the podcast. I want to get every sound right. I want to make sure it's every sound amazing sounding, but oh, I can't. Sure. There's multiple parts in Clockwork that are actually in The Shining. You didn't recognize that. And that wasn't in Room 2 or There was uh, in the milk bar with the naked statues with milk from their breasts, you know? Yeah. Great scene. Um, but no, there's paintings in the background, like murals, that he actually took from that set and put in The Shining Hallways. In The Shining Hallways. Oh. Sorry about that. Hit the mic a little bit there. A little, get a little you tug in my hands excuse, here. Uh... Josh, want to explain to us what a Clockwork Orange is? It's actually the title for the book came from an old uh, British term, I think, where you are as queer as a clockwork orange. Oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then the book came Cause, out because they're 
flamboyant in a lot of ways. Now, do you know who bought the rights to the the book before it became a movie? Before Cooper got it, who? Mick Jagger. <laughs> really? Did you know that? <laughs> and he bought five hundred dollars. Oh, I can see that. And then he sold I'm... it to someone like a studio for like a thousand. And then Cooper was like, "I want this." Boom. Because on the set of I think O one, uh, a cast member or crew member was reading it, and he's like, "Let me read the book." And he said he hated the book. But he's like, we can make a movie out of this. And I'm interested in it. And it's over the top. It's going to be controversial. Let's do it. He didn't know how bad it would be when it came out. All the crimes and all that. And he felt bad. But it's also one of his most popular movies. After The Shining, of course. In so, Josh. <laughs> yes. Obviously, you love this movie. You I picked it as one of your favorites. Yeah. If you were a critic today watching this movie. Like, I hadn't seen it before and I watched it. And you watched it, yes. And you're, like, hearing all this hype about it. As, as I asked Chris Hawk, what would you give this movie? Six. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. That's rough. That's, that's very honest. It is. I mean, it's very like, honest. If I haven't watched it in high school and I watched it like see, watch it just now before the podcast started. Yeah. I guarantee you, an hour in, I've been like on my phone playing Star Wars. <laughs> I guarantee. You. Yeah. I mean, that, that sucks saying it, but it's true. It really is. Like it's, it's like Blade Runner. I like Blade Runner a lot, but you have to be in. That's what Chris talks about this movie. You have to be in the exact mood to watch this movie. Yeah. If you're coming in saying, "Oh, boobies and drugs." <laughs> We're Seth Rogen. No, it's not that. It's just legit. It's very hard to watch. See, I, at times. I've, I've always like when I've watched it, I've always known of the symbolism stuff. So I sit there and I try to pay attention to it, and I think that's different from versus like I'm just gonna sit down and watch Clockwork Orange. You know what I mean? You can't. You can't. No. I mean, I can't. So I appreciate really. I appreciate it for what oh, yeah, it yeah. does with the symbolism and stuff. It made me want to try milk for the first time when I was uh, in high school. With LSD? Before high school, dude, I never liked milk. And I Bro, was like, I had a chocolate milk before I came here. Is that why you're all hyper? Was it always with LSD? You'll never know. <laughs> so I guess that, that ends our, I mean, yeah. our, part, uh, our three, uh, part three. Part Let's three. talk about part three. What, okay, yeah. So what's your part three, Mario? What's My, your pick? For number one is, is it going to be Predator? No. What? It's, it's Predator Two. You want to make? Wait, you want to make a bet? You want to make a bet? It's Star Wait, Wars. Gosh, which it's one? You'll see what I'm gonna do. So, <laughs> Josh, what's gonna be your third? Josh, movie? What's gonna be? Your third and final fave fave. The I guess underrated but kind of a cult following. Sorry, I'm Patrick Swayze, Jake Gyllenhaal, Drew Barrymore hitting the table. Sorry, it also has. That other chick who's Jake Gyllenhaal's love kind of in this movie. Oh, but what is her name? I can't think. She it's plays in movies, Jenna too. something. She's in so Catching Fire. Yeah. But yeah. So it, it's Prince of Persia. Maybe, <gasps> maybe. No, it's, it's Dirty Dancing. <laughs> oh, I wish. No, no. Not wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it's but, um, Ghost. Oh, that's right. Patrick Swayze is, is not ghost. in Prince of Persia. <laughs> oh, that's right. I mean, he can play the it's, ghost. So what it's, is it? It is Donnie Darko. Josh is doing Donnie Darko. And I'm getting a Donnie Darko tattoo. Chris Hawk, with your clicking. You're getting a Donnie Darko tattoo this weekend? This tattoo do, you have, do you have a picture of it? Like a tattoo I want? Chris it's, just, yeah. it's just the numbers from my elbow to my wrist. Jenna Malone is her name. Jenna Malone. Oh, that's right. She's in... Um, Catching Fire. Yes. What Chris Hawk's... Was it 2014? Oh, my God. 2000 is one of them. Hold on. It was, it was your top movie of oh, the year. It was, it was definitely the top movie. It was movie. number one it was for, for Chris Hawk. It was, it was number one. Guys, I just want to say, I'm, I'm excited and I can't wait till we talk about our top movies of the year when it gets to that point. I am excited. 2013. Oh, wow. Number one film of the year so far is Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, I haven't you even joke. seen it, brah. The 80s one I saw in theaters for you. <laughs> Do we reveal what our, what our favorite movie no. is so far? Yeah, you're right. No! But anyways, uh, what was your next pick, Chris Hawk? 
Well, you see, it's Ghost in the Shell. Really? So you're not doing Blade Runner? No. Are, are you going to discuss the Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell coming out? Sure, why not? We okay, could, yeah. Sure. Because I heard that everyone mad about it. Do whitewash the role? Yeah, there's some. Um, I mean, we'll get into it. I mean, yeah, she we'll played. We'll definitely good, get into it. She, yeah, she played a good Lucy, but we'll get into that earlier. Lucy was all right. She played good USB. Is there any more uh, recommends? You didn't say your number one film yet. Did you? I did. It's a Star Wars. Yeah, but oh, you gotta pick right. one. I kept thinking Predator. Get, <laughs> yeah, one. you can't be... No, you gotta pick one because we have to review it too. It'd have to be uh, the original. Which original? 1977. Good. Star Wars. The Star Wars. New Hope. You mean Episode. just Star Wars? That was, it didn't become... It's, it's it didn't become a, Star Wars. It didn't become New Hope till uh, Empire, right? I believe so. Something I think like it, that. I think when he released the special edition when it came New Hope, but I could be wrong. Oh, I mean, yeah, totally. So, uh, this pretty much ends this episode. This is episode number s- seven. Seven trigger. Seven. <gasps> Can we have like air horns in the background? Yeah. <laughs> should we? Should we? Uh, should we plug uh, the Twitter and stuff again? We should. Uh, so our Twitter is Cinema Seven underscore underscore, which is important to Chris Hogg. Underpot. Cinema Seven underscore podcast. Or at Cinema Seven underscore podcast is our Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, our website is Cinema Seven Podcast dot com, which I have not updated. Which I'm sorry. I'm. I mean, come on, guys, you gotta give me a break. After this, show a me break. how to work it. I will. Work, um, work. I'll show you guys how to get in, get in get in. Get and, um, with it. Chris Hawk, how do we find you on the Twitters? Uh, future Chris Hawk, Olympics, video games, Green Bay Packers. That's all he's retweeting. That that's not his whole name. Is his name is at Future Chris Hawk. At Future That's some of the things he's retweeting. Um, my Twitch is Entrails. Still, Entrails uh, of the Forgotten. Uh, I am doing a YouTube channel probably soon with my Elgato Capture card. Oh, Drunken wow. Gaming. I, I th- Drunken Gaming. I'm thinking, but YouTube's cracking down on Oh, you're doing a YouTube? Yeah. You're doing a YouTube page? I'm thinking about making it Cinema 7. Really. What do you mean they're cracking oh, wow. down like on Drunken Like Cinema 7 yeah. YouTube channel. Like live reviews? We just do every one. Yeah, what live do reviews you mean gaming. they're cracking down on Drunken Gaming? Because uh, even Twitch is too. They say if they look at a, like a huge like following stream and they're just like getting views because they're getting drunk playing Dark Souls, for example, like me, they will shut it down <laughs> and be like, no, because they That's don't encourage dumb. drinking on the stream. Uh, I guess because kids are watching. <laughs> so uh, what for an M-rated game? That's what I'm saying, right? But th- it's whatever. So um, you also have a Twitter now, though. How can we find you on Twitter? It is all one word, no caps. Joshua, J-O-S-H-U-A, Haddox, H-A-D-D-O-X. That, that's it. That's my Twitter. You can <laughs> find me, Mario Bacari, on Twitter, at Mars Bacars. Learn how to spell it. I'm not going to show you. Um, it's uh, F-I-F-T-H space E-L-E-M-E-N-T. What does that mean? Fifth element. You mean L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E, yep, that's it. In Look us up place. on uh, SoundCloud and also give us a review on iTunes, please. And give we us need... uh, recommendations for like maybe like a top three Ooh, list. Yes. Hit us up on Twitter. If you yeah, want us to watch your favorite movie and we'll <gasps> talk about oh, it. Dude, we'll totally do that. We we'll should totally do an do episode of uh, Worst Video Game Movies. <laughs> That's uh, I feel like people's probably already done that. I don't know. And I can't wait. We could do Best <laughs> Video Game Movies. We'll give you a sure. shout out too if you want. Yeah, we'll give you a shout out if you hit it. If you... If you're like, hey, Sim is seven, we'll give you a shout out. Yeah, if you do it on Twitter. Yeah, definitely shout do it out. on Twitter. And Mom, if you're listening, I'm not giving you a shout out. If you do it to Chris Hawk, <laughs> he'll just retweet it. I will tweet it. 
So, oh, and uh, yeah, we, thanks for listening. And we got some recommends. Explore, yeah, recommends. Anyone? Anyone? Recommend? Are we gonna do recommends? Uh, no Man's Sky. Who's next? Is it good? I love it. Uh, you know what? You know what? I love it because I was talking to a uh, friend, Berto, and Will Powell. And yes, there, there's a lot of replayability. That guy's name is Will Power. Will Powell. Oh. I wish it was Power. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, he's a cool redhead. I'll give him that. Hi, Will Powell. Listening finally. Um, but uh, think of it as the Star Trek series. Where you're just exploring space to where the heck you want. Does Berto even listen to the podcast? If we tag him, he will. I mean, he doesn't even spend his money. So Wait, can straight. he afford the internet? Can, can he? <laughs> oh, he can. He's, he spent his last, last night again in a party chat with him. What are you playing? No Man's Sky? All right, listen here, bud. Yeah. It's night and payday, and you got No Man's Sky. Yeah. No, right now. I'm not in the mood. You can't even go. Yeah. But no, it's whatever. a fun game. You discover new planets. You can name them whatever you want, and anyone that goes to the planet sees that name. You discover a species on the planet. You can name the species wherever you want, upload to the universe. Tell tell them about the planet you named. Uh, first planet I got on, like the tutorial planet, I called it Cinema Seven. You should name every planet that. I think, <laughs> I think, I think it'll let me too. I'll try That's that. amazing. And then um, I named like all the weird animals there movie titles. That's amazing. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing at every planet I go to now. It's movie we're, related. We're slowly taking over the No Man's Sky universe. Heck yeah, we are. Well, very slowly. There's do you like ever quint- recommend this episode? a quintillion number of planets. What, so it's very, very, very slow. <laughs> Chris Hawk, you have another recommendation? Yeah, I finished Young Justice. Finally. How is it? It's amazing. It's good? So good. Highest of recommends. It is as on par with Justice League animated. I would, if you're into, if you're uh, been scratching an itch and you like Justice League, animated, this is definitely a good placeholder. I'm actually gonna uh, recommend an anime. Um, is it One Punch Man? No, but I still, John. I'm sorry, I still have not watched 91 Days. I'm getting on that. Trust me. It was just Sunday, Monday. Yeah, but I'm st- I'm gonna watch it. Mm-hmm. So this anime is called uh, Terror and Residence. Um, it's about a terrorist group who, um, they're picture V, picture V for Vendetta. <laughs> Chris Hawk, always you making the noise. He's thirsty for these films. Think of, <laughs> think of V for Vendetta with two kids from an orphanage. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. So, like, so they become like, they picture them as terrorists. They try to take down the government. They kill people. The vigilantes. Um, Kind of. Basically, no. yeah. It, but they but they also get into why they become that. So you almost feel sorry for them. Um, I'll never feel sorry I don't know for a terrorist. Anyone, see, I don't know if anyone actually dies. I think I was over-exaggerating. I could be wrong. But um, it's really cool because then they leave clues, too, on like YouTube and like the detective in it. It's like trying to figure it out. Or he's an old detective, but he's like a, kind of works in the basement now. It's it's pretty cool. So that's that's my weekly recommendation. And I want to give a quick shout out to Mario. While we were on vacation, I'm not really a huge anime person. I'll get bored sometimes. If it's not a movie, I'll get bored. He showed me a very very short series called Corpse Party. Is that what it's called? Right. Yes. Phenomenal. It's, I I it's like Eli Roth did something good for once. If you like, yeah. I'm calling you out, Eli. Let's go, bro. He called you out, Eli. Yeah, I, it's like um. If you ever watched another the the anime another, mm-hmm. it's like that, but um, it's a short series and it's more gory and violent. <laughs> oh, it's super gory! Yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, there's there but were times good. where I loved. I and there's pull, a twist too, kind of. I don't care. It's blood and guts. Yeah, that's all. It was awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks for uh, basically exploring so with us. Yeah, listening. Y'all got our yeah, our shouts. You got it all. Bada boom, bada bing. We are out. Deuces. Deuces. Bing ba, bada boom. Yeah, multi-pass. <laughs> she knows what a multi-pass is. That's right. Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
Percy Poe worship brain patterns. Collaborate with time consuming, reprogramming. I apply the flow cannon. The combo so slamming, atomically reconstruct the whole canvas. His logic impressed, a hypnotic effect. Yeah, Latin pattern, you could call it a gift. Manny all in the mix. Nuclear physicist, genetically tailored every bit of this stimulus. The day the world 